All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, it is time to dig deeper into God's Word, especially as we look at the Psalms. And this episode, we look at the Psalm that causes the shift in the numbering between the Hebrew and English versions and then the Greek and Latin and Syriac versions of the East. We're looking at Psalms 9 and 10 today. In the Hebrew, they are two separate Psalms. In the Greek, the Latin, and the uh, Syriac, they are one Psalm. And they fit together because really each line goes through a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it goes all the way from Aleph to Tav with the first letter of the lines here. So we look at that together today as we see what God has for us to dig deeper into in Psalms 9 and 10. And just an overview of both of them, they begin with great confidence in God's justice and judgment. And many of the themes pointed out in Psalm 9 and 10 are out over and over and over again for the Psalms as a whole. So let's start with Psalm 9. To the choir master, according to Muthlaban, a psalm of David. I will have thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all the wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations, you have made the wicked perish, you have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins, their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. He who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I might recount all your praises that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed justice. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. There we have Psalm 9, 1 through 16. And this is the beginning. This is where that great emphasis on, on the judgment and justice of God comes in and how we as Christians can rejoice in this very thing because we need to know this. We talk about judgment day and we oftentimes, especially our evangelical neighbors, get so wrapped up in all the awesomeness and all of the earth shatteringness of it all. But really, What we need to focus on to keep ourselves calm and ready to go when Christ comes is to know that God is executing his judgment and his justice. 
And we live in a world where justice really doesn't mean much of anything anymore. It's whatever the majority of people would like to have you to have, or the most vocal of people. But with God, God's judgment and God's justice is on him. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. God's judgment and justice is all about him and what he does. And so we have, you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever. This is a very important theme, especially when we come to the ideas of Judgment Day. Because those who are written in the book of life get eternal life. Those whose names are not there, whether they were never written there in the first place or they have been blotted out, get the second death of the eternal fires of hell. And it's like, well, that's not very just. It's like, but it is. God gives chance after chance after chance for people to come to faith in him, to believe in him, to leave off their wicked ways, and we still want to keep going our own way. You look at that through the entire history of Israel. You look at it in the life of David, even. David was a man after God's own heart, but he had his moments where he's just not the nicest person. Verse 7, he says, The Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. This is what we need in our system today, is righteousness and uprightness, doing the right thing, behaving properly, and then we can all have a much more pleasant life. That life of peace and quietness that Paul encourages Timothy to pray for. Well, what happens to those outside of God's law and God's provision? That's 15 and 16 again. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked will get their reward, but it will be because of their actions, not because of some injustice in God. Now, when we get to verse 17, we have a shift. It's now not just a rejoicing over it. It now becomes a plea for God's judgment to be brought out onto the world. Verses 17 through 20 of Psalm 9. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. We get this point in life where we just expect those who are in charge, those who are in authority to have the proper understanding of what their job is. And really, we've seen throughout history, it doesn't matter 
what civilization you go through, it's always the same thing. Somebody gets into power and then they make up their own mind as to what they're going to do and nobody can stop them because they're the ones in authority. So he ends Psalm 9 as we have it broken out. Let the nations know that they are but men. And we have this over and over again in the Psalms. Put not your trust in princes, in the Son of Man, because in the day that he dies, all his plans fall away. That's exactly what the point is. And as we celebrate Easter, we look at the arise, O Lord, and realize that, yes, even though Jesus died, he did not stay dead, but he rose again to prove that death cannot even have control over him, that even death is mastered by the life of the Son of God. So now we move into Psalm 10, finishing, uh, completing this plea for God's judgment. Verse 1, Why, O Lord, do you stand afar off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Isn't that the question we always ask? Where is God when I need him? Always this picture of God being away from his people when things are going bad and only around when things are going good. Like God is some immortal good time Charlie where he's only there when the party's happening and when things get serious, he's nowhere to be found. But is that God? Is that the God that you and I believe and have read about in the Bible? Absolutely not. It's just our thoughts think that he is so far away when he is still right there with us. So we continue on in verses 2 through 11. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God is forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. In these verses, we see proof positive of man's natural hatred of others, especially those less fortunate, those who seem to be having a rougher go in life, whether it's the poor or the helpless or whatever, that these are dispensable because they aren't as good as I am. I have had a better time of life than they have, and they are just wasting space. And he says, God has forgotten. He's hidden his face. He will never see it. Like, God doesn't care what I do. 
because, well, he also thinks there is no God. But if there is a God, well, he doesn't care anyway. Now we move into verses 12 through 18 to finish up Psalm 10 this morning. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, and for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Verses 12 through 15, call on God like in many of the imprecatory psalms, the psalms of lament, the psalms of seeking out God's judgment to fall upon the enemies, calls God to action. But then, he turns right around after the call into action and reminds us of God's promises to his people, especially to the less fortunate, to the fatherless and the oppressed, that he will strengthen their heart. He will incline his ear to do justice to them so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. God has always looked out for the less fortunate. He has always looked out for the widows and the orphans and the oppressed, seeking justice for them. And that justice will come as he comes to us on the last day. But his justice also comes when he comes to us in every service where we hear the wonderful words of absolution, that his justice forgives you your sins, regardless of who you are. His justice gives you his son's body and blood in and with the bread and wine to give you that forgiveness of sins, to give you the promise of everlasting life, to strengthen you so that no matter what hardships you're going through, whatever oppressions this world has for you, you may still know his judgment. And that's Psalms 9 and 10. God's judgment and justice coming to us, but also coming to us through Christ. Now, as I've talked about the last couple of weeks, the format is changing for Wrestling with Theology. Next week, we do still have the fourth Wednesday podcast card of Pro Wrestling America. Starting over the cycle again, back at the U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, going around again. But now, Pro Wrestling America is weekly, but so is Confessional Corner and Digging Deeper. We will have, beginning May 3rd, every Monday will be the Confessional Corner. Every Wednesday will continue to be Pro Wrestling America, and every Thursday will be digging deeper. As we dig deeper into the Psalms, we dig deeper into the confessions, and then we just have some fun as we go, what is he going to think of next for the PWA? And I've spent some time the last couple of weeks really brainstorming what to do, as most promoters will as well, trying to look at the roster that I have, 
the ones that I'm wanting to bring in, seeing what all kinds of different mischief and things I can do with that. So Pro Wrestling America will be good for you. But then we go into the confessional corner and we got Article 4 on justification out of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. Still plenty of stuff to go along in there. And then digging deeper, the Psalms are a treasure trove of all the great things from the heights of joy and praise to the depths of sorrow, like, God, where are you? Like at the beginning of Psalm 10. We have all of those. And that just shows the great depth that we have in the Word of God, which is why we wrestle with theology so much. It's because the theology of the world does not jive with it all the time. So, I encourage you to listen to them. Listen to the Moments of Meditation every weekday morning to get that little boost to help you to wrestle with theology this week. <laughs>